Hello, this is Tom Williams. You are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's Interview Podcast. My guest this week is Charles Newell, who is the Artistic Director at Court Theater and the director of a fantastic production of Angels in America. Hello, Charlie. Thank you very much, Tom. I appreciate it. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I was there last Saturday. I saw both shows with the intermission, and the one comment that was going around to everybody was, for a show that went for over three hours each part, it zoomed by. It just seemed like an hour, hour and a half. It was just (laughs) so well-paced, and everybody was commenting on that. So, folks, don't let the 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 idea of a three hour couple of three hour shows hold you back because it's you know there's I've seen seventy five minute shows that are five hours long. This one really moved. It, it was fantastic. You you should be very proud of the show. I I am indeed. Uh, it was particularly uh, thrilling for me because, of course, um, most often I work with uh, playwrights and plays written by playwrights that have long since departed this earth. So with this, it was a particular honor and privilege to work very closely with my friend and colleague, Tony Kushner. Uh, we began our collaboration after uh, a court theater produced uh, Carolina Change, and I had met Tony socially, but only uh, after he came and saw Caroline and Carolina Change did we become really friends and colleagues. And then, of course, we produced his adaptation of Cornet's The Illusion, uh, to which Tony and I had extensive conversations, but not, not in any way in the kind of intimacy and close collaboration that we had together in developing Court's production of Angels in America. So, uh, it was a particular pleasure to open our production given how much, uh, input and conversation Tony contributed to this production. So thank you for your compliment. Well, can I, uh, it, it uh, from what I understand, he really liked your production of Carolina Change a lot, and the illusion. I mean, he was just blown away by both of them. Is that correct? Well, that's that, that was certainly the, the 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 sense. I yes, that is correct. <laughs> okay, yes. well, you know, if it's true, it is not bragging. You know, um, then he it was his idea, right, to do angels, or how did you come up with doing angels? Well, I mean, after. Um, both Caroline and uh, The Illusion uh, were so such successful uh, collaborations. Um, uh, he, you know, the question was, well, what's next? What are we going to do together next? And uh, Tony had written a number of uh, translations of plays by uh, Brecht and Goethe and some other texts, and so we were in long, extensive conversations about well, which one of those might we do? And finally, after very tortured and long discussions, uh, he said, well, actually, Charlie, what I, what I would really like you to do next would be Angels in America. Uh, and and I, I, after I picked up the phone off the floor, I said, oh, really, oh, my gosh. Uh, and he said, yes, I, I admire your work. I love the space. I love the intimacy of the space. I love the quality of the artists that you work with, the actors uh, most especially. And, uh, and he very much was very clear that he wanted production of angels, uh, being performed during an election season and, and also in Barack Obama's neighborhood. So, um, after much consideration about, well, A, what was the reason for me that I, that I needed to do angels in America and much less could court theater do the play justice with our, the resources that we could bring to bear to a production of both parts, uh, 
uh, I came back to Tony and I said, well, of course, we're going to do Angels in America. And it's a great decision. And it's time for the show. You know, uh, it, to me, it, it, it's such a universal show. I, you know, I heard a couple of cynical people say, well, it's a little dated. I didn't see that being dated at all. I think it's as current, and I think it will be current 50 years from now. What's your take on that? Well, the astonishing thing about um, uh, producing the play now is that how prescient Tony really was about so many issues. Um, you know, while we were in rehearsal, What's been going on? Well, um, there's debates in front of the Supreme Court about Obamacare. Uh, there is uh, the conclusion of the Republican nomination for uh, president as a Mormon. Um, there is almost complete silence or even uh, a reversal of discussion about uh, issues of uh, global warming, even refuting the, the hard scientific evidence that such a thing even exists. Um, I mean, and, and maybe most immediately and most meaningfully to uh, our community here on the South Side, uh, we had a, a professor and um, doctor from the University of Chicago here as a medical advisor on our production, Dr. Dan uh, Johnson, whose career was marked from the early 1980s as a resident in a hospital in San Francisco, he, he thinks he perhaps he may have been president to, to see one of the very earliest uh, cases of infant HIV infection in the United States. Uh, and his career has really been marked by, and, and he's really devoted his life to uh, infectious diseases in, 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 uh, in infants. Uh, and... He's now here at the University of Chicago and is an advisor to the production. He's been invaluable to us. He's also a twenty—I a 20-year subscriber to Court Theater. But what he, to, what he told us is that one thinks of HIV now in the United States as uh, 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 obviously not the epidemic, not the incurable panic that um, it was the case uh, during the uh, events of the play that Tony was writing about in the mid the late 1980s, um, but the startling statistic is, is that the highest rate of new infections in this country for HIV uh, is amongst uh, teenagers, and most especially amongst uh, teenagers of color. So here we are in the south side of Chicago, where we'll be performing Angels in America for our partner schools, which are predominantly African-American. Uh, and so suddenly the, the work, not so suddenly, but the work that we're doing here at Court Theater takes on a whole other very critical importance in terms of educational aspect that, um, the play is even more necessary today. I couldn't uh, agree more, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and of course, one has to only begin to pay attention to the news about not just the, what was then a, back then a, national epidemic of HIV uh, in the United States, but has become a pandemic globally, particularly in Africa and other areas of the world for HIV and AIDS infection, uh, how much more critical it is that we're paying attention to these issues. So when one says, when one looks at the issues that Tony was raising then and how much they have become even more critically necessary to address and look at, um, I can only say to me, this play is 
what I would describe as defining it as a classic. By that I mean it addresses issues that are only more and more necessary to address as time moves forward. You're absolutely right. Give us your concept of, of the show because uh, I've, this is the fourth time I've seen the show, and it was so fresh. And, and there were, you know, some things obviously that I expected because I'd seen it before, but your take on it was so fresh and, and, and the pace was just, just so thrilling. It, it, it was amazing. So give us your, your take on it because I know, uh, lighting and design, you did some unique things. Well, uh, Tom, you use the word concept and I, and, and, and I know this may, I'm I'm not being in any way coy of being completely blunt and direct with you. I don't go into any te- text or any production thinking, okay, I, what's my concept? But rather, um, and most especially with with working with a, a, a playwright such as Tony, it, it it always begins and ends with what is his intention and how can we best uh, bring it to, to theatrical life? So... Um, what was very clear from the beginning of both my experience of the play when I saw it in the original Broadway production and then subsequently in the most, most recently in the Broadway revival that the Signature Theater did in 2010 is that here was a, a world and a, and a play that sought to capture a world that had a, use the word pace, had a simultaneity, had a speed, had a, uh, a community of people in which things were happening so fast and so much on top of each other that um, the center was threatening not to hold. I mean, one image that was very useful that Tony shared with us about his sense of the kind of the world or energy of the play uh, is uh, maybe you've seen these photographs of um, water balloon that has been. Uh, fast-frame photography, a water balloon that has been uh, shot or pierced where the membrane of the water, of the, of the plastic water balloon is gone, uh, but the photograph has captured the water, and the water is still in the shape of the balloon, whereas the membrane has disappeared. Yes, so I have seen it. That, yeah. that is amazing, yes. Yeah, so it's before the water has released from its shape, uh, so at that moment of, of capture and that moment of, you know, how will the, how will everything hold together even though it's about to all fall apart? So, um, our, our production and, and again, just to try to capture in design and lighting and staging and, and everything, uh, the spirit of the play that Tony described, uh, we were merely trying to capture that, uh, intention of the playwright. Well, you, you certainly have, and, and uh, you gave it a freshness. Uh, maybe you can address that a little bit. For those that have seen the play, it's you recognize the, the the strong parts, but it's 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 so fresh. It's it's almost as if it's a new play. Well, I, I I'm not quite sure how to answer that, okay. other than to say, um, you know, we have the most extraordinary company of actors. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the truly the A-list uh, of Chicago actors in our company. And it is through their artistry, their passion, their commitment to what is an incredibly demanding, uh, and incredibly enlivening and, and rigorous text 
that I, I suspect you, the, the sense of freshness that you're talking about is only possible because of what they can do. Uh, so. Well, you, you won't find a better uh, cast of eight actors. Uh, uh, yeah. Let's go into some of your considerations of, of how, you, how you cast for the role. I mean, certain parts had to be. I mean, Larry Yondo. Is there anyone else who could play Roy Cohen? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, I I certainly think all of the casting is is both uh, you know ideal because that's how it's cast, <laughs> uh, and I also think all of the casting, uh, beginning with Larry right through the entire company, uh, I think we all felt, and certainly as a director, I felt, and we we I spoke about this from the first day of rehearsal and the last day of rehearsal. Uh, this is the text, and 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 when one one is in the presence, and I said this in the in in in, in, in to the face of Tony Kushner, when one is in the presence of such a great work of art, one of course is very happy and thrilled to be to be there, but one is also challenged and and stretched and pushed and 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 beyond what one is comfortable at and one that one is familiar with, and one know one always feels like. Oh my God! Am I really up to this? Am I? Uh, and one always feels like this is pushing me beyond what I've ever been able to do before, and that's also why why one wants to encounter this kind of art because you know you're going to get better. Yeah, so, and and the cast seemed to be so dedicated to the work. I mean, it's it's incredible. Uh, yeah, and and. Maybe you could address this because somebody asked me to ask you this. You've got uh, several people that are that are uh, musical comedy people that are playing such tremendous dramatic roles. I mean, Hollis Resnick and and Heidi Kettenring and and Rob Lindley are, and and Jeff Packard are are Broadway musical types. Yeah, yeah. Well, a, a couple things to say about that. I mean, first, when when Tony came and was with us for our, our first week of our rehearsal. Uh, and, uh, you know, he asked about, uh, the company, um, uh, even as he had asked me to, uh, you know, to, to direct the play, he did not have casting or design approval. Uh, so, you know, basically said, Charlie, you know, I want you to do it and, and I want you to do it the way you want to do it. Um, so when he came to that first week of rehearsal with the casting and design all complete, he of course asked about, you know, where did the, where are the actors from? And when I, shared with him how many had musical theater background. He said, well, yeah, that, that has often been the case with Angels in America in his experience with, uh, from the very beginning, uh, the original Broadway productions and, and most recent, the signature theater, that many an actor has musical theater background that does Angels in America. Um, the, the other thing to say about that is that um, my experience with doing working on Carol Interchange with Doug Peck um, it was an incredible experience to essentially, and that is a sung through uh, musical. Um, there is, I think, only a few phrases or maybe even zero phrases of spoken text in that entire piece. Yeah, it's really an opera in a way. Yeah. 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 Um, but what's so fantastic about that is that uh, Tony Kushner and the composer, lyricist uh, Janine Tesori, embedded in that score are all the messages and all the information that one needs in order to do a grand production of it. In other words, they gave you, you whether it's in literally in the, the spoken text or in the musical markings 
uh, all the information one needed. So essentially, with Doug, uh, with Doug's incredible guidance to me, uh, I just read the score. So it was a lesson for me uh, when we did that. When I then approached Tony's text, "Evangels in America," we approached that text uh, similarly, like an orchestral score. So we were looking at it, um, uh, paragraph uh, markings, uh, uh, semicolons, capitalization, all as if it was uh, orchestral markings. So when you had a company who was very familiar with looking at musical scores, this was a very easy uh, kind of vocabulary to use with them. Interesting. And I, I, I venture to say uh, in the future, somebody may end, end up making angels into an opera. What do you think? Um, you know, I, I think there is some, I should know this, but I think that there, in fact, someone has, but I, I'm not exactly Oh, sure. wow, that's yeah. that's worth researching. Yeah. Uh, so uh, some of the the performances that I thought were outstanding, one was Rob Lindley. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I saw Rob and, and Doug uh, at uh, Steppenwolf the other day, and I told Rob, I said, Scott Parkinson played it, and Scott's a great actor, but I, I really think Rob really nailed it. Well, I, I I did not see uh, uh, the production you're referring to when, with Scott, who I admire greatly as an right. actor. So, so I have nothing to, in that same way to compare to. But well, I thought uh, Rob had gave it such heart and and empathy that well, the, the role, you know. Well, I had a I shared with um, I, I don't think Rob will mind me sharing this with you and your listeners, but I um, I I. I I, I had an incredible emotional experience on opening night because I so believed in, in Rob as prior, uh, and just to see him not only, uh, uh, step forward into the role in such a glorious way, but, but go beyond even what I believed he could do was just absolutely transforming and, and so, uh, uplifting for me. I, 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 I curled up into a bit of a fetal position and bawled <laughs> my eyes out in the back of the theater. I saw you. I, I I saw you reacting a little bit. I, I don't mean I. Yeah, it was it was amazing. I, I, I was I, I was emotionally overcome because of what what he did as an artist was just completely inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, and and everybody. I mean, uh, what more could you ask for? I, I, my fellow reviewer Clint May was was with me, and he loves the the where he's never seen it on stage, but he's 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 watched the uh, uh, the the. the Made for television uh, production. I guess that Tony was very much involved in and loved it. And he said, he said to me uh, in between shows, he said, "You know, this is the only place to be. This is the day, and to, <laughs> to spend all day with these characters." And he's so right. And that was yeah. the experience we all had. It's one of the great experiences I've had in 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 theater. And that's why I I highly not only highly recommend the show to everybody, but if you can, if you can see it in one day. It it just has a, an impact. What's your take on that? Well, you know, I, I, I certainly urge folks, if they can, as you say, to to have that single day experience. I think we've all, you know, can remember those kinds of single day experiences, whether you know through seeing you know the Ring Cycle uh, on a full day mm-hmm. or Nicholas Nickleby. Uh, you know, I, I, my own background uh, has been marked by such experiences. I. Uh, co-directed with Gar- the late great Garland Wright at the Guthrie Theater, uh, uh, the history cycle in which we did uh, a noon performance of Richard II, a four o'clock performance of Henry IV, parts one and two, and a nine p.m. performance 
of uh, Henry V. And I'll never forget um, the first day we did that. Uh, we had never done it uh, in front of an audience before in the first preview at the 9 p.m. performance of Henry V, in which we're wondering, you know, was anybody going to actually show up to see the show? Uh, we had the whole audience, we had the whole uh, company come out on stage for the beginning of Henry V, which of course begins with the chorus, Oh, for a Muse of Fire. And they all came out onto the stage, and the audience who had come back from dinner, uh, uh, before an actor could even start that first phrase, the entire audience at the beginning of the performance all stood up and gave themselves and the actors a standing ovation at the beginning of the show. Wow. So, so you know, we all want that kind of communal, uh, epic experience, uh, even though before you commit to such time, you think, oh my God, am I going to really spend the entire day in the theater? But once you're there, once you commit that time and you make that emotional investment and the actors make it with you and you have that kind of communal emotional exchange, there's nothing like it. Yeah, that's what I told people. I said, it's it, it again, it's like going to a Wagner opera too. You know it's going to be long. You know you're going to commit the whole day. So fine. So you just go there and enjoy it. And once you have that point of view, you just let it happen. And then the artistry of the actors takes over and it's just an experience that you can't get anywhere else. And I, I, I absolutely thank you for that. And, and so does everyone who's been there. It was just a marvelous experience. Thank you. I, I should say, too, I mean, at the same time, you know, we, we, you can see part one on a Wednesday night and then part two on a Thursday or Thursday and then Friday. And, you know, audiences that have done that have also re- really enjoyed it because you get to have a, you know, a 24-hour uh, span between the two so that you can sort of digest what you've seen on the first part before you come back and see the second part. So, but... Both yeah, I've done them. I've done them both yeah. ways. Yeah, right, and that that works uh, really well too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and how the what's the audience reaction be? Because I know on opening night, I I looked around. You know, with all the intermissions and so forth, you get to know everyone around you. And I noticed yeah. nobody left, and that is so rare in any <laughs> form of theater. I mean, yeah. here it is eleven o'clock. You know, on a Saturday night, and and we're all still there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, like I was saying before about the, when you encounter a great work of art, I mean, it does ask much of you, and and it also gives you a lot. So, uh, and and Tony's not afraid of that, and how rare that is in our culture these days. Absolutely, art art does ask a lot of you. Uh, we're, we're art has been, uh, you know, now I'm going to get a bit on my soapbox, but I think particularly perhaps in the theater, but but. Maybe that's just because it's the art form that I obviously spend the most time working on and thinking about. It feels like, you know, we get so afraid of asking too much uh, that that I think uh, sometimes we do ourselves a disservice. I, I couldn't agree more. We we want to dumb down and make everything a a ten minute a ten second soundbite. Yeah, and I'm yeah, so. I mean, and, yeah. and you know, I, I, I you know, one could say, well, hey, Charlie, just earlier this year, you did a one man show that was, you know. Uh, hour and forty five minutes long. So what are you what are you talking about? But you know that piece, the Iliad, asked a huge amount of the audience. That was, uh, and I uh, wanted to mention that while I can. That was yeah. great. It, 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 Tim Kaine was just unbelievable in that. Yeah. you guys yeah. did a great job with that. So, so there are lots of different ways that one can be asked much of in, <laughs> in works of art. I guess. I'm well, that's what you do at court. You don't go down there for frivolous theater. You go down to be challenged <laughs> and, and and see what art is all about. Well, and, and, and our hope is, is that always that 
were doing texts of such quality and the execution and realization of those texts at such a level that it, it will be worth your investment of both your time, your treasure, and, and most especially your heart that you, you will then, you know, be, grow and expand with the work of art and what it asks of you. So, uh, and if we can achieve that in even the smallest way, uh, uh, I think uh, I, 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 I feel good. Well, you, you've really set the bar up high and you've and you really delivered. How long is Angels running? Give a little commercial for it now. Oh, well, thank you. We're, yeah. Well, we're uh, scheduled to run to June 3rd, um, and uh, the weekend performances uh, are Saturday at 3 and 8 o'clock and Sunday at 2 and 7. Uh, those weekend performances are getting very full already. Uh, because people are choosing to to see them both on the on the one day, Great. Uh, we we definitely still have tickets for all performances through June third, uh, particularly later in May. And the weekday performances uh, are uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays at seven thirty, and Friday at eight. Okay, are you doing any for the high school students? I know you've done uh, in the past. You've had them come in for for some morning uh, productions. Absolutely, and, yeah. and most especially what I was talking about in terms of for our Southside Partner Schools, we are doing uh, the uh, Wednesday morning matinees performances for them, particularly uh, in, as it relates to this whole question of HIV transmission uh, and for educational purposes. Have uh, you done any of those yet? Uh, not yet. We okay. just opened the show this yeah. past weekend, so I think our first one is either next week or the week after. Okay. I be interested now I'll, I'll follow up with you on that to see the reaction of the kids but this has really got to blow them away and in a in yeah. a good way and really you know bring it on home to them yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah so that's a, that's a great thing wow you guys are at a, at, a, at a standard uh i want to talk well i already mentioned what tim kane did in in anilia that was that was unbelievable uh but your season coming up you've got some great stuff let's let's talk about that Absolutely. Well, we're opening our season. Uh, our resident artist, Ron O.J. Parson, uh, is going to be returning to, you know, really his sweet spot, which is August Wilson. We're going to do uh, a long overdue return to uh, August Wilson's Jitney here in Chicago. Thank God, because uh, that's one of the few I haven't seen <laughs> of yeah. his. And, uh, and, and it's the A-list of actors, and including the, uh, the great A.C. Smith, is in the cast. Uh, we're going to follow that with Doug Peck and I re, uh, reimagining James Joyce's The Dead, uh, in which Hollis Resnick, I can now announce because she just uh, agreed to the, uh, join that cast, to lead that cast uh, of uh, uh, James Joyce's The Dead during the holiday season. Um, Bill Brown will be uh, making his uh, court theater debut as director, directing David Hare's incredibly intense uh, emotional uh uh, battle of <laughs> battle of, of sexes between two, uh, the principal characters in David Hare's Skylight. Yeah, I saw Skylight w- w- uh, one time. That's a great play. Wow, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing play, uh, and I'm very excited that Bill will be uh, directing because his work with actors is absolutely sublime. Yes, it is. Uh, I uh, I'm going to be doing uh, David Auburn's play Proof. Uh, which is coming home to Hyde Park because, of course, it's written by UFC alumnus David Auburn, set here in Hyde Park, uh, uh, based on an uh, uh, incredible story about uh, one person's discovery of their identity separate from their parent, which uh, is deeply personal and meaningful for me. Uh, and um, we're going to close the season 
uh, like for the first time, Court Theater is going to be producing six plays in our season rather than five, and the final two are going to be two Moliere plays that I'll be directing. I'm returning to the French Baroque, which is really the work that um, first was the first show I did at Court Theater, and the first work that really brought um, Court both local and national attention um, under my artistic leadership. Uh, we'd be doing Moliere's The Misanthrope and Tartuffe. Wow, those are those are terrific. What a season you got you got coming. Amazing, amazing. Very ambitious. Very yeah, ambitious. and you gotta ask I gotta ask you, how how did proof get away from you guys when it first came around? You know what, that's a good question. Uh um I think it's mostly just out of my ignorance. I mean I, I knew of the play and I think uh, I think what happened was someone uh, another theater got the rights to do it ahead of us. And and finally, we're getting we're bringing it home to Hyde Park. So, is this going to be uh, are you reinterpreting it or uh, or? Well, the, the fascinating thing about uh, for me about proof is it, it is uh, along the lines of Tennessee Williams' The Glass Menagerie. It is truly a, a memory play, and it, I don't know if Tom, you had a chance to see Court Theater's production of The Glass Menagerie. Yes, I did. Uh, it was it was amazing. Yes, I did. Yeah. And so, and I'm guessing that similar to that production of The Last Menagerie, which uh, was, again, our attempt to follow uh, William's own intention about how, how that play might be uh, brought to life, um, I'm, I'm guessing is not, I'm guessing that our production of Proof will feel and look other than other productions of Proof that have been in the past. But it's again purely driven by our intent to follow the playwright's uh, original inspiration. Well, you so. do such a great job of that. And in uh, in in closing, I got to ask you. It's a standard question I ask everybody. Uh, what are a couple of projects or plays that you're just dying to do that you haven't done yet? <laughs> well, I, frankly, the the Moliere's that we're, I'm going to get to do next year. Uh, were, was work that I had been itching and dying to return to for many, many years. And the fact that I'm going to get to dive back into that world. I mean, the, the Moliere, I, frankly, I kind of think is my DNA. Uh, my great mentor, Garland, right at the Guthrie Theater, really taught me about how deeply dangerous and sexy and complicated those plays are. Uh, so I can guarantee you that when Court Theater does Moliere, it will not be the sort of silly frou-frou buttons and ribbons and silliness that often Moliere has done in, in America. Yes, but, unfortunately, but, yes. <laughs> but <laughs> Exactly. But rather, like in his own period, the, uh, the comedy is based on uh, a wickedly dangerous and very sophisticated emotional uh, life of the characters that is screechingly funny. Wow. So, so so this is the work that I'm desperate to do. I, I haven't thought much past a year from now. Okay. <laughs> well, that that's that says a lot because, uh, again, uh, I, I'm glad you, you mentioned that and you really got me excited about that just because when I first saw those things, I had mixed feelings because I've, I've unfortunately seen both plays butchered a few times and I've seen some yeah. decent productions. But a lot of people, you know, bet on you in court when they when they look at the brochure and they see it and they go, "Well, they'll do a great job with it." Right. Well, I think I think like Moliere, many a times when people see titles of classic plays, they make a bunch of assumptions about what they are, 
and and I think the 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 one thing that I've learned over the years is that if an audience will come and see the work at Court Theater and and leave their assumptions at the door, they certainly uh, might come away at least reinvigorated and surprised, if not um, shaken in some way by what they see. Well, that that's a great testimony, and and I can vouch for for the fact that that uh, you know you guys do such great work that it's almost. Uh, when court does a play, just come down and see it. And and if you don't know the title, don't worry about it. You'll see something great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Uh, yeah. And, folks, thanks for listening, and go see a play this week.